Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Keeping the faith. I find that listening to the news today can be very stressful. There are so many negative stories circulating in the media that it makes me wonder whether these stories are real or they're distortions made up to serve the purposes of the authors. There seems to be a significantly large segment of the population that's become comfortable consuming false information so long as it supports their personal biases. And this attitude only serves to encourage the publication of more exaggerated, distorted, and simply false reports. Being unable to trust professional journalists has created its own source of stress as people struggle to find a reliable news outlet. But that's not the only reason people are stressed today. There are actually a lot of challenging circumstances in life today. Earlier this year in February, the American Psychological Society, along with the Harris Poll, conducted a study that identified the primary sources of stress in American society today. The top issues noted were related to the economy and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which began at the time of the poll, which makes sense. I can imagine the stress has only gone up since the poll was taken as people try to cope with the new reality of COVID and the virus in our midst while also contending with inflation, devaluation of investments, Russians' threats of nuclear escalation, and news of famine throughout the world caused by the war in Russia, the war in Ukraine by Russia. There are plenty of reasons that people might feel stressed today. But contending with stressful circumstances at home and abroad is not new for humanity. As we read in the Gospels passage from Luke earlier, Jesus warned his disciples that life would get tough despite the frustrations they had already been enduring with the Roman occupation of Israel. The Romans had been taking their property through taxes and intimidating them with violence. But Jesus told them it was going to get worse before it got better. They could expect to see the magnificent temple of Jerusalem, the place where they had been meeting, totally destroyed. They would also hear the wars between nations and kingdoms, earthquakes, famines, and plagues in different parts of the world. Sound familiar? But before all this occurred, there were going to be many difficulties they were encounter in their own personal lives. They could expect to be arrested and persecuted. Their own parents and siblings would betray them, and they would be brought before kings and governors who had the authority to have them executed if they failed to respond to the questions adequately. They would also become social outcasts who were hated by all because of their association with Jesus. But Jesus encouraged them to persevere through these trials because he would show them how to respond to the authorities when they were challenged, and their reward would be great for their souls. The author of Luke noted these specific warnings that Jesus gives his disciples, perhaps because he likely saw them come true himself. It's thought that the Gospel of Luke was written around the year 85 CE, about 15 years after the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. 
This was also a time when Christians were a small portion of the population who met secretly because of the persecutions that they were experiencing. So the author of Luke probably also witnessed the betrayals of, by family members and trials by kings and governors. These were dark times for Christians who experienced extremely stressful lives. Yet the Christian faith persevered over the centuries despite the terrible circumstances these people lived in. Our passage today serves not only as a means of commiserating with each other over time about the challenges of living through stressful periods of history, but they also point towards the rewards of staying faithful to God. Jesus told his disciples that the reward would be their own souls. And Isaiah painted a picture of a new heaven and a new earth where the faithful followers of God would one day dwell. The passage from Isaiah was written several hundred years before the time of Jesus, when the Israelites were dealing with a different kind of aggressor, the Babylonians. The book itself is thought to have been written by several people over about three centuries, from about 730 BCE to sometime in the 5th century BCE. And it's thought to have been written in three stages, the Babylonian conquest, the Persian conquest, and the rebuilding effort when the Jews finally returned from exile. Of course, these were all very stressful times. When the Babylonians had captured the northern kingdom and laid siege to Jerusalem, there was starvation, death, and destruction. Once the city fell, the occupants were forced to move to distant lands so they would be a minority and couldn't regain their strength as a nation. Eventually, the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians, and the Israelites were allowed to return to their homeland, where they rebuilt the temple. But the rebuilding effort was difficult, because they had to contend with other competing groups who had moved into the area while they were gone, and some of them had forgotten their heritage. These were all deeply troubling times, but our passage today from the third part of Isaiah paints an inspiring image of hope. The author quotes God as God describes how those who remain faithful will experience a new reality someday. He said that a new heaven and a new earth will be created, where the disturbing memories of past events will be forgotten, such as the, the terrible tragedies of dying infants and children. As though the author is referring to the earlier writings of Genesis in chapter 6, verse 3, where God declares the lifespan of humans would be about 120 years, God tells Isaiah that it would be unusual for anyone to live less than 100 years in this new earth. The injustices the Israelites experienced while in exile would never happen again. They'll be allowed to inhabit the houses they build and eat the produce they grow rather than forced to give up the fruits of their labor. God will be attentive to their needs, answering their requests before they could state them and saving their children from calamity. And peace will reign throughout the land as predator and prey learn to live with each other the wolf and the lamb feeding together and the lion eating straw. Violence and destruction would not exist anywhere in this new creation of heaven and earth that is built for God's people. Essentially, all the sources of stress and anxiety would be removed from the lives of those who abide 
with God. Such a utopian image would be attractive to anyone, not just a nation that had endured centuries of injustice and humility. Does it make sense to strive for such a lifestyle in our world today? I think so. And it seems that Jesus also lived with such an outlook in his day. <clears throat> he clearly knew his way of life would not be easy to follow as he laid out the warnings to his disciples. And he showed us how to live with a confident, peaceful disposition while enduring tremendously difficult challenges. In Matthew chapter 8, there's a story of Jesus lying asleep in a boat that was being swamped by waves. Gripped by fear, his disciples woke him up and asked him to save them. After rebuking the waves, Jesus then turned and rebuked his disciples for their lack of faith. He had no fear because he was full of faith. He was probably wet and uncomfortable, but he was not afraid. And in his final days, as he was journeying to certain death on the road to Jerusalem, his disciples were amazed at his determination and eagerness to complete that journey, despite the expectation of violence at the end. Yet he continued in confidence that God would see him through anything that was about to encounter Although we may not have the same depth of faith as Christ, we can certainly strive to live into the example he set for us and continue to develop our faith in following God. Despite the violence, treachery, and humiliation he endured, he remained grounded in his teachings, his own teachings, which he knew through his connection to the eternal mind of God. He didn't repay his aggressors with violence, he loved his enemies. He remained steadfast in dealing, in telling the truth amid deception and intimidation. He loved God completely, following the path God called him to through the Holy Spirit. The consequences in his earthly life were very unpleasant, to put it mildly. But he knew that those sufferings were negligible compared to the immense pleasure he would experience when he returned to God. It's interesting to note that despite God's immense power to create and control the universe, God does not force us to choose God's path. God had the ability to take control and inflict great suffering on those who had mistreated Jesus, but God let people make their own choices and carry out Jesus's crucifixion. Through his resurrection, God gave us a glimpse of what's possible and showed us Christ's plan for salvation that we can make ourselves. Yet we can be forgiven and we can change our ways and turn towards him. But the important point is that we must make a choice. Do we want to pursue a path of selfishness and pride? Or do we want to focus our attention completely on God and love our neighbor as ourselves? Perhaps the utopian image described by the author of today's passage in Isaiah is possible. In at least a portion of humanity, those considered the children of God will experience it. If so, it doesn't seem like it comes solely by God's will. Apparently, it depends on us making choices. 
Will we allow injustices to take place where people are forced to give up their homes and the fruit of their labor for the benefit of a select few? Or will we choose to take a stand in support of the victims of economic disparity throughout the world? Will we tolerate retributive violence where cycles of vengeance perpetuate? Or will we choose to interrupt those cycles by demanding peace and protect the lives of everyone? Will we foster animosity in our society by spreading lies so that we can identify and isolate a group which we can distort or direct all of our pent-up anger toward? Or will we choose to seek the truth and work towards building a diverse community that respects all God's children? This weekend, we celebrated Veterans Day. We invite the veterans here to stand for a moment so that we might express our appreciation for their service. There are many in our society who have given years of their life to protect our, our country and our way of life. And we owe them a great debt of gratitude. As much as we would like to live in the utopian world, <clears throat> that is not our reality today. We need protection from certain nation states that would take advantage of us if we allowed them. But what if that threat of international conflict didn't exist? I know this is a kind of utopian dream, but imagine the possibilities if we were able to direct the efforts of our best and brightest young minds in the prime of their lives toward building up humanity rather than preparing to destroy an adversary. Imagine the possibilities of directing the trillions of dollars that we spend on defense every year toward medical research or development of new energy resources or any other creative adventure that you might imagine. Although these ideas may seem far-fetched, they are paths we can choose to work toward. Despite the frustrations and sufferings we will encounter along the way, the satisfaction we can expect to receive in the end will be well worth it. Through our faith in God and teachings of Jesus and the movement of the Holy Spirit, we can experience unparalleled joy in God's kingdom as we work to reveal that kingdom that is here on earth. So I encourage you today to keep the faith, faith in God as well as God's ability to work through humanity to bring about a new earth filled with new possibilities. Choose to accept the grace offered by Christ and let your hearts find relief in the surety of God's goodness that cannot be extinguished by anything we might experience in this life. Amen.